0: welcome, everybody, to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We've done a little intermittent podcast here and there, but we think we are finally ready for a a once-a-week or once-about-a-week podcast. Uh, We chose the slowest news week of the entire Michigan Athletics year, uh, kind of on accident. That was a mistake on our part. But nonetheless, we are here. Uh, I'm here with Steve Lorenz, who's on the phone calling in. We're going to talk lots of football, basketball, football recruiting, basketball recruiting, and we have a special basketball recruiting guest at the end of this podcast, four-star Michigan recruit, Gabe Brown. But first, Steve, we're supposed to, uh, one of our l- readers suggested that we talk a little bit about ourselves in this first episode. So you are my boss, so I know you fairly well. But for our listeners, uh, who is Steve Lorenz?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know. uh who I am. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. So I grew up in Muskegon, Michigan, Uh, went to Reese Buffer High School, Uh, went to the University of Michigan for four years, got my degree in history, Uh, came out of college, not sure what I really wanted to do or or be, Uh, thought about law school, Uh, not doing that, probably the best decision I've ever made. (laughs) Uh, You know, took a couple classes at UCLA, lived out in LA with my sister for a little while, uh again just kind of trying to figure things out bartended for a long time which actually was a lot of fun i actually kind of miss bartending sometimes even if like to do it like once a week would be uh pretty sweet again but uh the tremendous site you know we started the tremendous site on a whim uh my buddy keith thompson and i just to say yeah just literally on a whim i think it was after the uh junior hemingway iowa game uh Hmm. where the wolverines lost we just decided i had some opinions and i thought maybe i'd write something and uh when we first started out it was just a bunch of generic recap garbage that you see on about 80 percent of the blogs or sites if you know uh if you look hard enough and really doing nothing to differentiate ourselves and uh again a lot of whims here but uh reached out to andre pipkins who was a verbal commitment to michigan at the time thought maybe i'd try interviewing a recruit because there was some a lot of demand out there for that and uh it kind of went from there and uh you know, it's been an interesting ride. Uh, I know the one thing I've always been kind of proud of is, uh, I never applied for 24 to work for 24 seven. Uh, they called me and, uh, I really was totally green to the recruiting industry when I started too. I didn't I've never owned a subscription anywhere else. Uh, I was never really even that interested in the recruiting aspect. Uh, it was just a situation where I found kind of a niche for myself. Uh, in, in the Michigan market, like I said, so much demand for recruiting information. Uh, did some interviews, got to like learn. Like it's it's interesting to get to know people, and uh, kind of went from there. So uh, I guess that's the work related part of me. I guess yeah. you know. I think that, I think that guy asked about like what else? What do we do off uh, the site or whatever? Nothing. We uh, stick
0: to sports, and if we yeah, ever don't, right. we tell each other we comment we say stick to sports but
1: right right you know it's the thing like it's uh this this job there's a lot of demand behind it so it's hard to find hobbies uh nowadays i know uh, i'm a big i'm big into tornadoes the weather uh i'm big into (laughs) unsolved mysteries the show uh the robert stack era which actually is on amazon video right now the first five seasons uh which is awesome uh, I recently, too, and I wasn't going to say this originally. I, I did recently just join CrossFit, and it was a really, oh, really man. good decision. No, I know. <laughs> it was a re- really good decision, uh, but I wasn't going to say it because people are, that are in CrossFit are known as people that's all they talk about is yeah, CrossFit. Yes, it's the I first rule of that. CrossFit. Right. I didn't want to be that guy. So I wasn't going to say anything about it, but that is a really recent hobby that I just picked up. Uh, great decision. I'm in better shape than I've been in in years, and kind of gets you out of the house uh when you work at home you're doing this type of job you kind of locked to your computer a lot and you're uh working when you really don't need to be or you're you know you always you're scrolling through twitter which uh twitter probably the worst part of the job uh you know so it's it's nice to get away from that for a little while get out of the house a little bit and and, and do some things so that's kind of where i'm at right now uh life-wise and uh yeah i mean that's 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 me for the most part
0: Good, good. I learned some things that was interesting i didn't yeah. I didn't know you were a bartender. I didn't know you were spent some time in Cali. Uh, my story's a little bit shorter uh, just because my road was not as not as interesting. I grew up in Ann Arbor, uh, big sports guy, p- you know played four sports in high school, uh, went to Michigan, uh, eventually kind of picked up the writing habit, wrote for the Michigan Daily all four years, wrote a little bit in high school too, uh, joined my student radio. At Michigan, uh, WCBN, and then once I graduated, I graduated with a business degree um, for the sole purpose of never having to use it. Of course, uh, that's 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 the dream right now. But I uh, had a lot of fun with that. Then eventually, I had to apply. I'm not as good as Steve. I had to apply for 24/7. Uh, eventually, you know, in the same about in the same few weeks that they hired Isaiah full time, uh, they hired me and have been here since. I also co-host. Uh, the Inside the Huddle show on WTK-AM. I'm a producer there as well. So you can listen to me all the time there uh, and some of the time here. But nonetheless, Steve, you have, since your tremendous days, you have made a name for yourself kind of as a a recruiting guru. You know, you've got your crystal ball on 24-7, of course, and then, you know, you answer questions all the time. We do have a couple questions. Uh, So the first one, I gotta pull up my my little question thing. Uh, oh, we'll do the top 50 one first. Sure.
1: Let's yeah, I think see. uh, they wanted to know three.
0: Mhm. So this is comes from Michigan five. His uh, 655th post of the 50 top 50 overall players who are three guys Michigan has the best chance with in the 2018 cycle.
1: Hey, I'm winging it here. I don't have the computer right in front of me. Uh, and I'm I'm the type, uh, I say, if it's top 50, I say whether it's it could be either the composite or our 24-7 sports rankings. Yeah. Uh, really, I mean, you know, the Yabianoma stuff, still kind of a mystery. Uh, I think he's interested in Michigan. Uh, there's the Biff-Pogey connection at St. Francis. I don't really know if I'd put him in that category yet. Uh, I think he could be in that category. Uh, but one guy, definitely Michael Thompson, uh out of st louis a guy i think we posted i posted on yesterday uh, as a guy who'd be a great fit in the class too uh you know really a kid who hasn't really touched his his potential yet and, and that's one of the things that for me that's kind of the overarching theme of the 18 classes they've built so much good depth uh you know in 16 and 17 that they mm-hmm. can take like they can take like higher higher ceiling style guys at pretty much every position in my opinion. So I think Thompson's one and then uh staying in St. Louis, I think Ronnie Perkins uh 32nd ranked player I think according to us which would be the last five star of the 18 cycle. Uh Michigan's right there with Oklahoma. Uh again, I know we'll talk about Oklahoma in a little bit, but uh you know Michigan's just got to get him on campus. Uh, I think they're in a decent mm-hmm. position there with him. Uh, again, another guy I think really uh High, high ceiling, a lot of potential, uh, a guy that the staff's pretty much been on since they offered. They didn't offer him right away. They offered him a little bit later. But um, And then the third one, still sticking on the defensive line, actually, is probably Tyler Friday, who uh, the, the Don Bosco prep uh, defensive tackle, who's really been at the top of their board forever, uh, pretty much since the 18 cycle began. Uh, his recruitment's kind of been a little bit of a mystery, too, the last few months. Uh, he's gone completely radio silent. Uh, which is very normal at this stage for these kids. Uh, I think Penn State is more of a factor than maybe uh, you go back three or four months. I think people thought it's definitely going to be a Michigan-Ohio State battle. I -hmm. think Penn State's kind of crawled their way in there, too. Uh, Again, Michigan defensive tackle still pretty kind of a need, in my opinion. Uh, We'll see where it goes with Friday. Uh, I'd say Michigan-Penn State-Ohio State. State. Rutgers is around because they're the local school, and I'm guessing that his coach is probably pushing him there uh or that they're there that's where they prefer him to go um but again i mean Rutgers has got to show something on the field before they're going to get yeah uh a four-star kid a to- let alone the top player in the state mm-hmm. uh to stay home so those are a few guys that i think that uh that michigan's got a legit shot with
0: okay and and obviously one aspect of recruiting that michigan might have an edge over other schools in is is those uh those darn satellite camps, you know, they're everywhere. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's going to 11 and 10 days last year. It was just this month of headlines for the Wolverines. I, you know, from from what you can tell, and we we have people at most of these camps, whether they're you know Isaiah, uh, Cleveland, and in Maryland, or maybe people uh, national writers or people from other sites. Uh, have you noticed, you know, maybe maybe the top 50, but also working your way down. Are they working the same way that they have in the past, and that it's it's helping Michigan stand out, or is the 10-day window kind of uh, eliminating some of the allure? Uh, I, I don't
1: I don't think it's uh, maybe the allure is gone as far as like the way we cover it um, that mm-hmm. it's not really exciting for them to be at satellite camps anymore. Right for the kids though, uh, I think it's still significant to, to to get to work with a kid one-on-one. Uh, for the staff to get some time with the prospects who sign up for the camp, uh, there's definitely some significance there. Uh, they can make it as clear as day that they'd love to have them on campus, which again is still the end result at this point in the process. Uh, when you're recruiting elite guys, you just got to get them up to Ann Arbor, and uh, going for the for these kids to see the coaching staff in action uh, is so is very beneficial. It gives them an idea of their coaching style, uh, just their personality too, as as both a coach and a person. You know, one kid I kind of think of right now is uh, William Barnes, the Apopka Florida top 100 offensive tackle. Is a guy that uh, even today I'd I'd predict him to Florida for sure. Uh, But, again, he's never been up to Michigan. I think him being at the FAU camp last week is an instance that could really help Michigan's chances of eventually getting him up to campus. And if you get a kid up, you never know what's going to happen. And it's always a great thing to get a guy up on campus because, you know, at this point in the process for the 18 kids – they've been the most of them have been to just the programs around their area. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of these guys can't afford to take cross country trips or, you know, the, a kid like Barnes would have like USC offer, Michigan, Ohio state, uh, Texas, you know, like you can't afford to go to see all those schools. Right. Uh, so the satellite camp I've always looked at, and it still is, this is what it's the purpose. It's still serving in my opinion is it's a bridge, uh, between, Maybe spring evaluations or contact period, and then the official visit season. Uh, kind of creates a bridge for the Michigan staff and other staffs now uh, to see some of the kids that they really like. You know, make it, make their intentions clear about where they like them and, and how much they like them. They love to have them up on campus. So,
2: is you know, Michigan? Still a bench,
0: yeah, is Michigan changing their approach because it, you mentioned earlier in the podcast? You know, they they were having twenty five to thirty person classes. They were building depth, and you know they would offer. Three star guys or, or you know, maybe less less on the on the radar, high ranking guys in the past, but now they're being a little bit pickier. And there is some value to being able to work with a kid and see how they, they can be coached. But are they changing their approach to these camps at all, knowing that maybe you have to be a little bit more selective with who you actually offer?
1: Offer wise, I don't think they're uh no. Uh, they're still offering a lot of guys, probably mm-hmm. a few too many, in my opinion. Okay. Still, uh, but again, I mean, that's the way everybody does it now. Yeah. There's just too many offers out there, period. And and uh, you know, none of the rule changes. Of, you know, there's the December signing period, but uh, schools will make their intentions known to prospects that they're not recruiting uh, well before December. That you know, they're not going to get a letter, or they'll just it'll just kind of be known uh, that it's not a guy that. Uh, whether it's again, whether it's Michigan or Ohio state or, or Texas or USC, or like, they're not going to send that letter out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the offers go, you know, cause the offer is still technically verbal until sometime this summer. Then they send the letters out, the official offer, okay. uh, you know, and, and sometimes there'll be a lot of guys that are going to even get that letter. So, hmm. uh, so the thing is, I mean, they can only go to so many this year. Uh, it's not anything like last year. So they, the it's more about location as far as the change in their approach. um, They're going to the places that they would have gone anyway, um, but they had to, like, for instance, they won't be in Grand Valley this weekend for what used to be the sound mind, sound body. Mm -hmm. Um, Michigan's been at that event for years. Uh, Again, Michigan not the only one who's not going this year. I don't think Michigan State's going to Notre Dame, Ohio State. Like, none of those programs are going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, But they can't. uh, It's one that was an easy one maybe to cross off the list, right? So, uh, you know, they'll be in San Diego They'll be in Connecticut I mean if you think you got to think a little bit about uh, who are they recruiting and again I've n- I've never denied this about the satellite camps there's definitely a re- an underlying aspect to it that is fully revolves around recruiting yeah. my thing is is that it's so beneficial for so many other kids though uh, in so many different ways that it's who cares if there are underlying recruiting motives in Michigan wanting to go camp at Valdosta State or something like that. I mean, there were 700 kids at Valdosta State camping in front of, I want to say, like 15, 20 coaching staffs. Mm. Uh, I guarantee you there was a kid at that, at least one kid, probably many, who got looks from staffs that they never would have gotten otherwise and who may now have opportunities that they never would have had. So, you know, it's – so when they're in San Diego, obviously you think – Isaac Taylor Stewart, you know, the five-star cornerback. That's I'm, I'm, not a coincidence that they're going to San Diego. Or they'll be up in Connecticut. Uh, Josh Joby, the Miami v- verbal commitment, who's transferring up to Cheshire Academy. I mean, it's, you know, there there's connections as far as that type of stuff goes, and that's more that it's a more direct approach in that regard. Um, but overall, uh, it's just a matter of they, just, they have to just be more careful in where they're going because mm-hmm. they can't go to as many as they could before.
0: Okay. We got another question that we're going to get to on the show. It's from Jeff G. Jeff with a G. We'll also, assume last name G. It's his first post, so we'll yeah, show thanks, him some Jeff. love for that. Thanks for joining. Thanks for posting. He said, "Hi guys, first post, so I hope I'm doing this right. I am from St. Louis, and I am curious how Bob Stoops' retirement may affect Ronnie Perkins' recruitment."
1: Sure. Well, I mean, it's we don't know yet. Right. Uh, I'd be I'd be remiss to say that Oklahoma probably didn't lead for him uh, heading yesterday. He'd been on campus. Again, that's such a big difference. He's seen Oklahoma. He hasn't seen Michigan. He hasn't seen some of the other schools in this. I think he's down to, like, 11 or some number. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if he hasn't been to Michigan yet, hasn't been to some of these other schools. Here's the thing. Like, Lincoln Riley, two things. One, Oklahoma really has not recruited that well, in my opinion anyway, for a school that's winning 11, 12 games uh, every other year. They're yeah. usually pretty underwhelming on the recruiting trail. Actually, they'll always get a few studs, mm-hmm. uh, but as far as they're never a top five, top six type school as far as their signing classes are, which is amazing to me. Uh, with all the history uh, and tradition, and just the, the they've made, they've produced plenty of pro- professional players too. It's not like they're uh, just winning. They're not. It's not gimmicky. I mean, they're winning with guys that end up playing in the pros. Uh, so they they've always been kind of a, an enigma to me on the recruiting trail. I think I actually think in a way I think Lincoln Riley, uh, young energetic guy who has flown up the coaching tree. Uh, I mean, was he 33 years old? Yeah, uh, that's insane. I mean, I'm a little bit younger than that. I'm not that much older than I am. Uh, I think he's going to bring some cares, charisma, some energy to that program. Could be interesting to maybe recruit at a higher level. Really, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Again. Bob Stoops has rings. Bob Stoops produced probably fifty, sixty professional players, if not more. Probably more, actually. He's been there for he was there forever. Uh, Bob Stoops has won what? Like they've owned the Big Twelve.
0: One hundred ninety wins like, in eighteen yeah, years. Ten Big Twelve ex- titles. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, so he's got. There's the prestige factor that'll be missing. Uh, you know, Riley will be sort of an unknown. Uh, but I look at Lincoln Riley, and then I look at you know, what's the difference? I mean, there is a little bit of a difference. As far as, you know, Tom Herman has some success at Houston. But really, uh, Riley, they're actually pretty similar guys. Young, very energetic, uh, very uh, innovative. Uh, I like the way Tom Herman recruits. Uh, You know, so I think Riley, it's going to be an interesting fit there. I think he's going to be a good fit. uh, And I think there's a chance they could recruit better. So
2: Hmm.
1: it's all going to, when when you talk about is this kid, is it going to affect this kid's recruitment or not? Uh, Obviously, when it happened less than 24 hours ago, it's always a hard question to answer. (laughs) Uh, But well, well, I mean, I think we had a question like 30 seconds after we posted on the board is how does this affect Michigan's class? It's like you can't answer that question Mm -hmm. um, today or tomorrow, even. You know, Uh, it'd just be a matter of uh, Riley's connection with these guys. Uh, You know, the the rest of their staff is staying the same, so it's not like a new guy is going to be recruiting Ronnie Perkins. The same assistant that was recruiting him before is still going to be recruiting him. So uh, we'll just have to see. My my belief, my gut instinct tells me that I, I think it's not going to have as negative an effect as people may think. Yeah, uh, But Perkins is, I I think at least unless I'm totally off on this kid, I don't feel like I am. I, I think he's going to take his time. So mm-hmm. uh, he'll get to Michigan eventually, as long as Michigan still wants him up there. And then uh, we'll go from there.
0: Yeah. I, I tend to agree with the Oklahoma thing. I mean, it's like, Bob Stoops is only fifty six. Like it was kind of a, I my assumption is that it was a very, like happy retirement announcement. Like he wasn't like begrudging or regretting it or, or that much. So he'll he'll my assumption is he'll be able to help Lincoln Riley catch up on the the head coaching responsibilities, and then Lincoln can do things like be on Twitter more. I mean, just imagine if if like someone like John Beeline or or some of these other older coaches. All of a sudden, they have all that prestige, and they have maybe the, the more modern stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting. Were you surprised by the retirement? I mean, I assume, assume you were. Most people were.
1: Absolutely. Uh, our Oklahoma site did actually did a really good job covering it. I mean, it sounded like there may have been some rumblings behind the scenes that this was a possibility, but, I mean, that's a that's a blind side. Uh, one of the bigger ones I can remember as far yeah. as, like, from my standpoint, i never heard or read anything that even – uh, insinuated that he was considering stepping down in the next couple years, you know, let alone yesterday. So big shakeup in the Big Twelve. I mean, if you're Texas, you got to feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Texas is recruiting really, really well right now. Which, again, they still kind of have that new car smell uh, with Tom Herman as far as their recruiting go. They're going to sign a really big class. You know, you can sell hope and early playing time and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, if you're Texas, you got to be. You know, a little bit encouraged right now. I mean, Texas is sitting pretty nice in there. Uh, And then, but again, I don't think Oklahoma's drop off is going to be as big as what. uh, I don't know if there are maybe people don't think that. I just think that you keep basically the whole staff the same. Riley was a guy who, after this year, anyway would have been probably the hottest name on the market Mm -hmm. uh, for an assistant coach. I mean, say Brian Kelly, say Notre Dame falls flat on their face again this year and he moves on, you know, I I guarantee you Lincoln Riley would have been one of the names mentioned uh, for an open job at Notre Dame or wherever there will be open jobs next year. So Hmm. uh, really, in a way, I think Oklahoma – in a way, locked out. I guess it sounds weird to say that when you lose a guy like Stoops, but they also got a guy who really people would have been fighting over.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, anyway, i anyway. thought about you
2: it know, that way. Locking yeah, down. Stoops,
1: <laughs> right. Stoops could have been gone. Say Stoops had waited two years to retire, while Lincoln Riley could have been the head coach at Notre Dame or yeah. or uh, I was, was going to say Michigan State. That probably shouldn't go that far mm-hmm. right now. But, Not yet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but you know what I mean, though. So uh, any school that uh you know decides to move on from right. the head coach so interesting perspective for sure
0: yeah it was it was a very abrupt right. i think i i think i was in the WTK studio when i heard about it i was like oh well all right then and, you know it's one of those ones that's so suspicious most of the comments on the stories and and you know on twitter and everything was well something must be up with Oklahoma they must be facing a you know punishment soon or there is the theory that Bob Stoops is doing the Urban Meyer take a year off and then go coach Notre Dame, but both of those seem a little little far
1: fetched for me. Yeah, the, the Pete Carroll. Yeah. You know, the the get out of town before Yeah. Uh, crap hits the fan or whatever <laughs> hits the fan, you know, like get just had to get out, you know, so you you know you're Teflon at that point, you're not connected anymore. So, uh but I, it at least again, uh it's hard when you're covering a team to make those kind of assumptions or make those kind of uh sentiments but I don't from our everything our Oklahoma insiders pointed towards it, it doesn't seem like it's anything like that so um yeah, yeah. I mean as as well as they covered it and and from what they've seemed to feel it's it's a seems like a straightforward uh standard retirement that he's ready to be done yeah. that being said you're not going to be shocked if he comes back and coaches somewhere again, someday again. He is only 56, you know, so, um, but we'll see though.
0: Yeah. You know, I said it on inside the huddle today. I was, I said, uh, you know, 18 years. Like if if you're, maybe, maybe you love coaching for decades and decades, but most people aren't head coaches of a major program with major pressure for 18 years of their life. I mean, he started when he was 38. If you want to compare him to Lincoln Riley already, You know, they're getting a five-year head start on him. But, like, I could see where you're just exhausted, and you're 56. You're starting to age a little bit. So, anyway, uh, we move on to the second biggest news story of the past couple days, which shows you kind of the slow news cycle that we're in right now. The Big Ten ACC basketball schedule came out, and there are some some puzzling ones. Uh, I'm not sure why Duke and Indiana got set up, and then Georgia Tech Northwestern, uh, there are some good ones, Wisconsin-Virginia, Louisville-Purdue for a rematch, uh, Michigan State-Notre Dame, uh, which had a more historic rivalry than I thought they did. And then, of course, Michigan probably got the big one. Michigan at North Carolina it will be their first trip to North Carolina. The Tar Heels just won the NCAA championship. Michigan uh, lost three of its top four scorers. I, when you saw this, were you surprised I mean, most people are thinking Michigan's going to be in that top echelon of the Big Ten, but Michigan-North Carolina, undoubtedly the headliner of this of this scheduling.
1: I mean, come on. Like, what, really? Like, it, it's... Uh, I, had two, my, I had two initial reactions. One, uh, I couldn't believe that Michigan and North Carolina had never played on either school's home floor. Yeah. And all five games I've ever played have been neutral floor, so I'm assuming they're tournament games. Uh, they've never met in the ACC tournament either, so... Uh, I was a little surprised about that. My second thought is that Wisconsin and Virginia may end up being the most boring college basketball <laughs> game ever. Yes. Uh, yes. Those were like I—I I was my first because I've been flooded from our Wisconsin site. Uh, they were trying to figure out who Wisconsin was going to play, in the whole time in my head, I'm thinking anybody but Virginia, and and that's what it turns out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that literally <laughs> could be a 34 to 31 uh, win- game in overtime. Uh, yeah. The way those two teams <laughs> seem to play basketball, so rough. Rough draw for Michigan, uh, but I'd rather see – I mean, it's – it's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's – I don't want to say it's the state approach, but it kind of is as far as you, you might want to play. You want to have tough games early on. Uh, it's hard not to think. You know, maybe I could be wrong here. It could be way off. I think you know a little bit more about it than I do. But uh, games like the, the one they played at UCLA, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, those are the types of games that can that really can kind of – uh, I guess, build calluses, as Harbaugh would probably say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and, and uh, for a team that is going to be going through so much transition, uh, it's going to be a whole different lineup, uh, a whole different set of new scores, top scores, like, you know, with the Matthews and, and Jer- Jerron Simmons and stuff. Uh, great opportunities for this team to kind of gel early on, see what they got, and yeah. uh, learn from <laughs> there, you know. But, well, I mean, that's the optimistic spin. The other right. spin is there's no way that Michigan – uh, should have been matched up against who, I mean, it'll be probably North Carolina and Duke at the top of the ACC again. Well, I'm assuming. So, I did
0: a little bit know. of research. They lost they lost uh, five of their top rotation guys, you know, their, their, their seven, eight-man rotation. They lost five pieces from it, two to early departures to the NBA draft, three to seniority, and I'm not quite sure – what Cam Johnson's situation is if he's actually going to have to sit out a year, which is, which would be BS, but they're going to be a young team. I mean, they're going to have two return, you know, the, the best case scenario for them, two returning starters and two freshman starters and then Cam Johnson. So they're, they're not, you know, it's not going to be, I mean, they'll be a preseason top 10 team because they're North Carolina, but you know, no one's penciling them in the final four, quite like they are with Duke, Kentucky, Arizona, Michigan state teams like that. Uh, it is puzzling though because I'm surprised Michigan let it happen because they've got games against Texas, which has three freshmen that are going to be already in NBA mock drafts. Uh, they also host UCLA. I don't think UCLA will be quite as good as they were last season, but you know that's still a big boy game. They've got the Hawaii tournament where they're playing Cal, Georgetown, Pitt, and then they have they might move Big Ten games into December. So. Michigan's going to have to figure themselves out pretty quickly. They can't have a sloppy 5 or 6 loss non-conference slate and expect to get away with it. Uh well, so. the
1: RPI, the RPI numbers won't be as bad. I mean, yeah, well, that I mean, it, they've had such a bad like it it's it's hurt them uh having such a weak RP, a non-conference RPI the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I and that like. that I mean, RPI comes that, a but. lot
0: from like the non-conferences against bad teams. Like Minnesota, they had a sneaky good RPI because they played a bunch of low majors that ended up with 20 wins, and the RPI is all about win percentage of your opponents, and those opponents' win percentage of against those opponents, and so on and so on. So it's, you know, I I'll be interested to see who else they schedule. Obviously, they they might be trying to move one of these these big games uh, with with this North Carolina scheduling because that's that's. That Texas, Hawaii, and then you know Big Ten all within you know three weeks of each other—that's a lot to ask for for any team, uh, let alone a team that's kind of transitioning the guard a little bit, like Michigan. Speaking of transitioning, Camp Sanderson started this week. Of course, John Sanderson, the strength coach at Michigan, uh, does a fine job developing talent. They are about to have seven first-round NBA draft picks, and I don't believe they have—they've had one five-star. In our 24/7 Sports Composite, and so there's new signees coming in: Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, Jordan Pool. Uh, obviously, they they count uh, Austin Austin Davis, Charles Matthews. I almost said Austin Matthews, like the hockey guy. But and then Jeron Simmons, a newcomer as well. So plenty of new faces to to Camp Sanderson. Uh, you know, we've we've talked to a couple of these guys. We've seen a couple of them play. I guess who. Who are you who do you think is going to benefit the most from Camp Sanderson? It can be a new person or it can be a returning person, but who who do you think comes out of this as as the the winner, so to speak like DJ Wilson was last year?
1: well it's it's because of Wilson that you gotta say that livers is probably the guy Isaiah livers because mm-hmm. uh, he's really gonna basically come into that same type of role uh, obviously probably not gonna not gonna be starting. But yeah, with Duncan, well, I know he could compete. Yeah. That's kind of the have the minutes thing. though. The
0: minutes will be there for sure.
1: Ab- absolutely, and uh, for him to be effective, uh, they need a defender at that spot too. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority. I thought Duncan Robinson's defense picked up significantly in the second half of the season. Uh, I thought he was great in the Big Ten tournament defensively. Uh, again, but again, though, I mean, you go up against State. Uh, you, all these other, they're going to beat him up down low. Mm. So. I think for Livers is a guy that's got to get bigger, got to get stronger. Um, it's hard to like assume that he's going to do that in one year, uh, but he's a guy that I think he's I think he's built a little bit differently than Wilson was. I think Wilson was a lankier, yeah. A guy I'm Wilson probably, was I mean?
0: two inches shorter. Livers, unless the weights are off, I think is about well twenty five pounds heavier than Wilson was when he came in.
1: Right. So. so he and so he can do that you know. He can build it. He can has that frame maybe to build a little bit more weight. He's already got a little bit of muscle on him. So, uh, you know, you can get him in the weight room, solidify him up a little bit, and uh, you know, go from there. I I he's my pick uh, as far as the guy that's going to benefit the most, just because I mean he has a role.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Eli Brooks yeah. probably not going to have the role maybe until you know with the Simmons uh, transfer. You know, Brooks was a guy. I think he was the guy that Beeline had pointed out as being a guy they thought would play early. Well, that's I think that's the opportunity for that has changed a lot, you know, with the Simmons transfer. So, uh, and with Jordan Poole, who really the highest ranked guy in the class is probably the one who's been the least talked about. Uh, <laughs> that's just true. Because yeah, just because I don't know if he plays, you know, where they're pretty deep at the two spot, uh, two three spot. I don't, I don't even really know exactly where he's gonna. Uh, yeah, fit probably in, two three,
0: know. like a, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah you know, there's there's that too, you know, so Livers is the guy, just because I think he has, A, has the most defined role and B, uh, has the quickest path of playing time is uh, probably kind of the obvious choice. Uh, again, Robinson too, though, is a guy that really could benefit from, from getting bigger just because of what they're probably going to have to ask him this year. Uh, you know, he's going to be put in some awkward positions defensively, I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, if he's on the floor, uh, yeah. you know, consistently. So, you know, that'll be really interesting. Uh, but <laughs> we do this every year. Uh, we wonder about what they're gonna do and it just doesn't look like it's gonna fit or how's this gonna work, but then you know, come March, <laughs> you know, we're right there and they're right there and uh, it's it's I mean, you can't after what they did this year, I think the questioning of John B line should be I think it should be done. I think it's yeah, over. Yeah, that's hundred um, percent. And I and I'm somebody I'm somebody who earlier this season
0: no. was starting to question No things. you did oh, not.
1: Look, not. Not not oh, no 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 not man not in the general sense. <laughs> okay. Not like, hey, I don't think he's the right guy for the job, but not at that at all. It was okay. more about what's <laughs> what's the ceiling of this program under him was more my thought. It was like openly questioning
2: okay. what to,
1: could they return to where they were in thirteen. Um, you know, and, and really, mm-hmm. man, if they if they beat Oregon.
0: Yeah, game or two away. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, just you see what Oregon did to Kansas, and and Kansas is just a perennial choker. Uh, you know that who knows what they could have done. You know, it was that loss was? Uh, I think if you're a Michigan fan, you probably felt like they were going to win that game going in, just because they they just come off the Louisville win. They they just looked like they were gelling. You know, kind of like the way the thirteen team did. So, mm-hmm. um, you know that that was a. I think almost it's weird to say that it was sort of a blindsiding loss, just because, but I just I feel like there was a lot of momentum at that point. I think people thought they were going to make a really well, yeah. Well. And I
0: think I found out just because you know, I covered Oregon for a couple days there, I found out how ridiculously good Oregon was, and how I didn't even I didn't even I mean even the the websites didn't even see it coming. I mean, you know, looking at different stats. But speaking of the thirteen team, I think my pick for I won't I'm not going to put any pressure on him because I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he stands with Michigan, but the player I'm most curious about heading into the to the camp Sanderson is Xavier Simpson because you know the the message has been sent pretty clear to him. they do not think he is going to be the starting point guard yet uh maybe he will someday, but you know you look at Michigan's point guards uh the freshman to sophomore transition has typically been pretty substantial. Uh, I think Derek Walton was probably the you know he was probably a little bit more ready made, but like he finally understood all the plays you know, November of his sophomore year. You know, so it's one of those things that takes time. I'm also curious about Duncan Robinson because I think he's probably pretty motivated right now. And, you know it, i I think Camp Sanderson works best for people who have kind of seen their flaws a little bit or like maybe a season didn't go the way they were hoping, and then they come in with with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, but also, you know, film to say, okay, what can be better? Usually, what what they improve the most is like the uh, the uh, vertical leap and maybe the speed a little bit. So, might maybe someone like Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman could come in and and really get a lot out of it. But yeah, it'll be interesting. And and they've got pretty much everyone there. Mo Wagner won't be there much because he's training with the U twenty German team. Uh, but switching over to football, because they also are starting things up in these next next or this past week. And also later on this month, everyone's back from their abroad trips in for the summer. Uh, I, I don't know what which parts of the practices are official and unofficial, but they've got lots of June enrollees, June signees. They've got a young team. I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, who or we? Eh, we'll split it up. We'll say who needs a really good June and July the most of uh, let's say of the 2017 class and then uh, who has you most excited knowing that they have a couple months before camp and maybe knowing their demeanor a little bit as you've spoken I believe with everyone and if not everyone pretty much everyone
1: I you know the guy who needs it the most it's it's kind of a cop-out answer Uh, I think it's Aubrey Solomon just because I think if Michigan's going to win big this year, I think he's got to play well. Uh, That's why they recruited him. That's why Alabama recruited him. That's why Georgia recruited him uh, as a guy who could come in and play right away. Michigan needed him more than the other two did. I mean, Alabama's probably got – literally probably has like 12 five-stars on their defensive (laughs) line in some capacity. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't a need there. But Michigan desperately needed depth in the interior. Uh, You know, I, I think for him, he's already on campus. I think Isaiah reported that last week. Uh, he's up there. He and Brad Robbins, the punter, up a few weeks earlier than everybody else. I know Michigan was super excited about that to get him up there as soon as possible, where he can do uh, uh, the I guess you'd call them voluntary workouts. Uh, you know, it's on them to do the work right now. Coaches can't be involved. Uh, you know, so to get him up there, I think he needs to have a really great couple first months in Ann Arbor. Maybe the couple weeks early will get him. He'll get acclimated to just the campus life and, and being on his own. Uh, people kind of forget about that part of, th- of this thing for these true freshmen. Uh, these guys are just like us when they move. You know, when we, when we moved away for the first time to go to college. I know you basically could walk uh, to where you know when when you basically crossed the street uh, yeah. to go to college. <laughs> but uh, for the rest of us normal people, uh, it was you know it's a big transition. Uh, yeah. So it's not just about you know for for Aubrey Solomon to be there now and be an impact player this year. It's not all just about you know. How well is he? How quickly is he going to learn the scheme and all? That. It's it's about like being learning how to be on your own and mm-hmm. learning how to manage your time and uh, you know not having a mother or a father there like on you to uh, to guide you or, and be there all the time. So you know there's that aspect of it too, and uh, so he'll get a little extra time in that regard, which I think is is very important. So uh, for me, it'd be Aubrey Solomon, I guess, yeah. uh, in that regard. With yeah, uh, second one as far as which one I'm most excited to see. This is, I mean, it's such a deep class. There's a lot of possibilities with mm-hmm. a lot of these guys. Uh, I know they're really deep in the slot. Uh, maybe even deeper, depending on what ends up happening with the Grant Perry stuff. I, Oliver Martin is a guy I think, and I think i would said this on a different podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. He's a guy that I think Michigan they'll look back eventually and say it's a good thing Michigan came back and won that recruitment because. Things were dead in the water there. I think Michigan was going to move on. They already liked what they got at receiver. Uh, they weren't 100 percent sure they were going to get Nico Collins, but I think they were. This was before their You know, Georgia made a late run. Uh, you know, there was a time, probably right around the Army Bowl, uh, when I was in San Antonio with Oliver Martin, where it looked like Michigan might not get either one because they had cut communication with Martin. They didn't even see him during the fall evaluation period. Uh, Martin looked bound to probably Notre Dame. Be Michigan State, but probably Notre Dame. Uh, but they circled back, uh, ironically, during the Army Week. Uh, when, after he spent pretty much the whole time hanging out with Dylan McCaffrey, got back in that recruitment and won it. I think he's a Harbaugh guy. Uh, I think I was I was surprised Michigan slowed things down to begin with. I, mm-hmm. I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe that Jed Fish was the one who was not overly high on Martin uh, as a prospect. Which, again. The coaches go, these guys, they go back and forth on evaluating guys all the time. I mean, they're guys that coaches will fight for and ones that, you know, it's just like anybody else. There's some guys they prefer over others, just the way it is. Um, Martin's a hardball guy, though. Multi sport athlete, keeps to himself, um, all business, you know, comes from a good family, uh, you know, so he's a guy I'm, I'm really, uh, really interested. It's not going to be easy to, Acclimate himself at the wide receiver position right away just because they're really deep there. They're young, too. Uh, and again, Nate Schoenly, a guy that's going to play. He's going to play a lot. Oh, he you will. Know? So, yeah. yeah, I think he will. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, we just reported about Harbaugh said he's the he graded out at the highest at the position this spring. Yeah, and that's uh,
0: the second time he's mentioned him. I mean, right. generally, if a coach mentions a walk on twice, there's something to it. Maybe once right. you throw it, you show him a little love, but twice there's. There's some method there.
1: Right. And we were reporting on Showingly Lee last year, uh, as a guy that I think one of our old, old VIP notes uh on him was that he would correct the coaching staff in the film room. And this was this was fall camp last year, so he had probably been on campus the same amount of time, a couple months. And he was that in tune with what was going on. So uh so Martin's gonna ha- you know have to fight for playing time against guys like that. But he's the one I'm most interested to see. Probably throw Andrew Stuber in there, too, just because I'm pretty much the grand marshal of the Stuber bandwagon, uh, a guy that we've been told for a long, long time, way longer than anybody else, that uh, they think he can play in year one, that he's a Ben Bredesen, Mason Cole-type kid who could play any of the five positions. They'll get him to campus, they'll see where they like him best, and then they'll let him go and compete. So Hmm. uh, I'm interested to see where he is coming out of fall camp again. I feel like the spring session was really good for the offensive line, you know, with Spinellis and Runyon Jr. really emerging as guys that uh, look like they're going to be players before they leave here. So uh, it won't be an easy battle for him, uh, for Stuber, Filiaga, the other guys coming in, you know, either uh, at Hall, even was a guy who until, I think he was banged up at the end of spring practice, uh, was a guy that we heard great things about. I mean, he was a guy on the, the few videos that they would show from practice was a guy that was popping dudes, uh, you know, and, in drills. So, you know, won't be easy for either of those guys and Martin and Stuber to to find the field. Uh, but I am interested to see where they get to.
0: Yeah. Well, my, you know, I I'm I'm gonna stick with my who am I most curious to watch? I am very curious to see how Chuck Filiaga does this summer because, as we've kind of alluded to both in stories and on here, that right tackle spot uh, there are there are no guarantees right now at the right tackle spot. And then, uh, you know, some other guys, you know, pop up here and there. I'm curious about the specialists, uh, both Quinn Nordeen and Brad Robbins, to see just – because that's almost one where they could be feasibly All-Americans right now, and we just don't know about it. I mean, you know, Robbins posted a 5.0 hang time. No no rush, you know, on him or anything. But, you know, they, they might be able to do things. So I'm very curious to see how they develop this summer and, and how they enter spring camp. But anyway – that's gonna do it for Steve. uh we'll get Gabe Brown on the line uh coming up in just just a second or so, but Steve, uh we went really really long just so you know, so next time we gotta figure out a way to be more succinct uh but obviously glad to finally at least have a podcast.
1: yeah, no good conversation uh I'd add this I just want I'd add this in at right tackle their pursuits of a dog woo
2: make it pretty yeah. evident.
1: Uh, that they're don't they're not definitely not confident in Juwan Bushel Beatty. I mean uh, he's a guy that I think, I remember I think we reported in the winter was a guy that they were really hoping would have a big spring, and uh, if they're pursuing grad transfers in June, not a good sign as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know I know there's been debate on our board about whether or not Runions are true right tackle or not. Uh, I think he could play. I think he's a, another versatile piece. So uh, yeah, for Filiaga and Stuber uh both as as guys who could compete at right tackle right away. So uh should be pretty interesting. But yeah, we'll we'll shorten it up going forward unless people really like listening to this entire thing. <laughs> uh you know, which I don't I don't really know if I have the time. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I know it may be more about us than uh, the listeners, sorry. But uh but yeah, so uh thanks for having me on. Uh thanks for putting this together too and uh we'll be uh yeah, we'll be back. This is fun. All
0: right. And then we say goodbye to Steve and We're here with Gabe Brown, the four-star recruit, just visited Michigan earlier this week, had an unofficial visit in an open gym after a, what has been a pretty productive summer, uh, playing for the family, the AAU team based out of Detroit, uh, playing with Michigan 2018 commit David DeJulius, and Gabe, uh, you got to visit Michigan, I assume you've been on the campus before, you're from not too far away in Belleville, in the Ipsy area, but Tell us about the visit and kind of where they took you, what they showed you, and then also what stood out to you.
3: Uh, They really took me around the whole, like, Ann Arbor community, downtown Ann Arbor, around their school. They showed me, like, the weight room, the gyms. They showed me really a lot about, like, what they do and how, like, their system plays. And he took me into his office, and we talked for a while and really had some good conversations.
0: And in Beeline talking to you, and in Saudi Washington's also in on this recruitment as well. You know, what are they? I assume they're probably looking at you at, at the three or the four, six, seven, 195 pounds. Uh, starting to pick up his rebounding a little bit, people. You know, in, the, in this AAU circuit, uh, starting to pick it up. But what what was that conversation like? Were they telling you where you fit in, or were they telling you what you can work on, or what, what was the kind of tone of the of the talks?
3: But they're really telling me about like I could fit in their system because I could shoot the ball mm-hmm. at a good level. So they're really telling me that I'll be a shooter and like really do it all since I'm the three and that's their main players. They're really telling me I could do like play two, two through four in their in their system.
0: Yeah, and for those of you that don't know, Gabe Brown averaging nine point two points per game on about sixteen minutes per game in the in the AAU circuit so far, uh, shooting forty seven percent. From the field, uh, what thirty looks like thirty four percent from three. So he's got got a little bit of a shot. Did they compare you to anyone? Are they are they thinking Tim Hardaway here? Did they did they throw out any names that sound familiar? They uh,
3: threw out, out Tim Hardaway, Glenn Robinson,
0: Khris Middleton. Okay, okay, not not too bad company to be to be associated with. And you're from you're from Washtenaw County. I mean, you're familiar with the area. Are you? Did you grow up a Michigan fan? Is this? You know, has has Michigan always stood out to you maybe more than more than other schools or or what's what's what was your mindset maybe before the visit?
3: Uh, I really wasn't like, growing up I really wasn't a fan of like really college basketball. Mm-hmm. So I really like watching NBA a lot, but I really had no fan. I just love watching basketball and loved watching college basketball. Every time like Michigan, Michigan State, if any school came on, I just loved to watch it.
0: Okay. Okay. And obviously, Starting to pick up some of these offers. A very fast riser, thanks to uh, some pretty successful work with the family. And t- tell me about playing for the family. You got a lot of, lot of, I mean, Detroit's best, you know. And obviously DeJulius is there. You know how? And it's called the family. And I think from what I can gather, that seems to be like the general theme of the team. Uh, what's it been like playing for them? And in kind of your experience so far this summer?
3: Uh, playing with the family is something amazing. Like I, like I would have never thought I'd be playing with them. Like they really treat you like a family. Hmm. And playing in the new the has just got me a lot better. Like really a lot better. Like it's helped me with my game, helped me with my state of mind on how to get better. Helped me like when I have to, how hard I gotta work to be the best. Like stuff like that.
0: Is Dave getting in your ear about Michigan at all?
3: Yeah, they They get in my ear every time we see each other. <laughs> he says something about missing it all the time.
0: Did you Did you go to an open gym on Tuesday? I know that at uh, one point that was part of the plan.
3: Uh, no, I couldn't make it. I okay. had um, schoolwork to do. Uh,
0: yeah, final exams coming up, all that stuff. So, you know, one thing that stands out when I'm looking at your your AAU stats right here, and, and the rebounding has really picked up, what has changed? And that's something that, you know, John Beeline talks about his current players sometimes rebounding, it's just like a light switch turns on. That's what happened with DJ Wilson. All of a sudden, he was this aggressive rebounder. I mean, are you are you noticing anything different? Are you playing? Is your style a little bit different? Or was this something that just the ball came to you a bit more and the position changed and you've always had it?
3: I think my style of play is changing. Way like, say if somebody missed a shot, I know I have to go in and crash the board. Because mm-hmm. not a lot of my teammates can really jump as high as me or, the same length as me, so I know I have to get, get inside and get gritty with every player on the and get rebounds. So really, my state of mind just really
0: changed. Okay, and, and so with your recruitment, you're starting to starting to get some traction. Uh, you know whether it's schools offering or schools having you over for a visit. What has that been like for you? I mean, are you kind of thinking finally, or is it? Are you kind of with it and thinking, man, I'm I'm starting to get a lot better, and then also. I uh, I am I'm just curious, you know, what schools what schools are getting into play uh that you think could become finalists down the road?
3: Um, really, I just have to say this is all just a blessing. Like I really gotta thank my parents, my dad, especially, my brother, Coach really, We Really gotta thank everybody. I never would have thought this dream would really even happen. Hmm. But really the schools that are coming in is really my offers. Offers that I got they're coming in really closely, and some schools like Michigan, Michigan State, Kentucky, Missouri, they're coming in, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Missouri, they just they just hired the, uh, the former coach from, I believe, Oakland. But nonetheless, you know, so what's what's the next step? I mean, I, I don't believe Michigan has offered you quite yet. I mean, did they say anything that they want to see from you first? Have other schools said, hey, we like this progress, do... This uh, down the road. I mean, do you have a do you have a game plan for the rest of the summer?
3: Oh, uh, this game plan is really for me to just get better and just outwork everybody else ahead of me. That's my game plan. Really get stronger do everything that I could possibly can in order to get the high major offer.
0: Okay, and that's that's a good plan. Outwork everybody that that often uh, comes to fruition. And talking, you know, in regards to Michigan, you know, they said they like they like that you can shoot. You know, they like your length, they like what you can do athletically. Uh I'm sure they've got to be fans of of someone that actually is adding rebounding to their to their list of priorities cuz you know a lot of players that can drop 20 points in a game uh might might not be inclined to play hard defense or rebound necessarily, but it seems like that's part of your part of your game and part of who you are. I mean, have they pointed out any any areas of improvement for you?
3: But they really just said pass the glass harder and really just put on some weight, and get stronger and out with people. That's really all that said to me.
0: Right on, right on. And I do have a question about about Dave. See, what do you notice about him? Size up his game for me. Obviously, Michigan fans, the excitement is growing for him, even if even if you know the ratings aren't there. But people can see it on film. There's just something about him uh, that allows him to take over a game. What have you noticed having played alongside him all summer?
3: What I noticed is like at the start of the AAU season, we wasn't really coming out as strong. We wasn't really dogs. So like right now we, we didn't change his state of mind and change what he wanted us to win. But he's the main leader on the team, so he wanted us to win. So like he, he picked up everything for us, his assist, his rebound, and his points. He really became like a real vocal leader and that really changed all our state of mind to get better.
0: Yeah, you guys you guys started 0 and five to the to the UIBL circuit and then our 6 and 3 cents. I mean, it, that's got it's got to be a good feeling feeling this team kind of come together, take things a little bit maybe to that next level and uh start start showing out on a on a pretty impressive and intense circuit. I mean, that's you know 6 and 3 to go in 6 and 3 against that kind of competition, that's that's no joke. That's some real legitimate uh, togetherness with that team. Yeah, it yeah. is. Well, Gabe, you know, I know you're going to Missouri this weekend, I believe. Give me a timeline for the rest of the summer, either what teams you're going to work out with or visit, uh, you know, what what your status is with various summer league teams, and then also timeline for when you're going to really put in the heavy work and, and what camps you're going to go to and uh, start to expand this recruitment. What's what's the next couple months look like for you? Well,
3: these next couple months is just me working out, getting better, getting better and better and better. I got team camps coming up with Michigan, and Michigan State, and York, University of Detroit. But it's really in order for me to just get better and get better. I got visits to Duquesne, Oakland, UNLV, and Michigan State.
0: All right, well, big thank you to Gabe Brown, the four-star out of nearby Belleville, Michigan joining us on this podcast obviously big thank you to steve lorenz he's my boss but he's also also a good podcast partner uh, hopping on helping get this thing going Uh, hopefully we answered a lot of your questions gave you a lot of insight info opinions analysis and hopefully we can do even better next week anyway for everyone at michigan.247sports.com where you can find all of our coverage i want to thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time you um.